Hi, welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Yolanthi Gabri, and just like you, I've been trapped inside self-isolating due to COVID-19 for the past couple of months. Happily, in that time, I've had time to write, to think, to work on my business, and yes, to record a couple of podcasts. In this special pandemic Keeping It Clean episode of Sell Less Mean More, I speak with Edward Clayton, a young entrepreneur who's at the helm of prolific Melbourne cleaning company, Made to Clean. Edward's pretty charming as well as insightful. And in this interview, you'll get bits and pieces of information um, that should inform you if you're thinking about going from being a sole trader who's perhaps using contractors through to becoming an employer. There's also heaps of stuff about pivoting your business when unusual, unprecedented pandemic you times strike. I hope you really enjoy this podcast. Welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Yolanthi Gabri, and today I'm joined by Ed from Made to Clean. I met Ed a few years ago now at a co-working space in Brunswick when Ed had just begun his business. At the time, I knew that it was cleaning and I really thought the name Made to Clean was pretty cute. And then a couple of years ago, I think we reconnected and um, I'm really pleased that Ruby Assembly are now part of the extended Made to Clean family. So Ed has a really fascinating story and he's in a unique service category and he's going to have lots of interesting stuff to share with us today. So Ed, welcome. Thanks, Lanthi. Pleasure to be here. Um, in a nutshell, Ed, can you explain to us what you do? Sure. Um, so in a nutshell, I own and manage a premium cleaning company called Made to Clean. Um, there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about, for me, um, growing, growing the business and, and managing and looking after my staff and, I suppose, um, yeah, nurturing, nurturing the company. Um, and so when you were a smaller Ed... What did you imagine that you'd do? <laughs> was it cleaning? And how has your career taken you to this particular place? Good question. Um, I, can, I can tell you for sure that I didn't say <laughs> I want to own a cleaning company. Okay. Um, it depends how far, far back I go. When I was about three years old, I wanted to be a mother duckling. Um, that didn't work <laughs> out very well. Um, but, but yeah, th- throughout my, my childhood, I was pretty unsure of what I wanted to do, um, like a lot of kids I suppose um, I ended up doing engineering and, and doing a master's of that simply because I was half decent at maths and physics and didn't know what I wanted to do um, and I was told that an enge- kind of a degree like that gives you a lot of optionality to, to kind of look into different fields so when I first came to Australia I, I started um, in, in an engineering role for a couple of years but I did always know that I wanted to work for myself that was something that was instilled of me um, from my dad, really, he, he, he worked very, very hard and, and was very successful, but he didn't have a great work-life balance and always told me, you know, the way to win in life is to work for yourself. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up, um, I, I think I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, knew I wanted to run a business. And, and as soon as I got an opportunity to start something, um, whichever business, whatever kind of business it was, I, I seized that and, and kind of went from there. Um, so how did you identify that cleaning presented a gap in the market that you wanted to fill? Sure. Uh, so it was quite funny, actually. When I was working as an engineer, I, I'd, I'd come off the back of actually doing a, a sales job where it was actually door-to-door sales and I was working very long hours and working extremely hard. And I then moved into an engineering job where 
I they, they they couldn't actually give me enough work at the time. I was I was getting through my my job, you know, with, with about half a day to go, and would kept pestering them for more work, but they couldn't fill me up with time. So I was spending time online on a popular forum called Reddit. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you or, or some of the listeners would know. <laughs> I'm sure they would. I think and we I, do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was just looking at other people who started businesses and, and found someone who I think it was in in Chicago or somewhere in the States and they'd started a cleaning company and they'd said how they'd recognized that in their in their states you couldn't book a cleaning service online uh, so I you know quickly jumped on Google and was looking through Melbourne and I noticed that there was a huge number of cleaning companies as there are it's, it's a huge market but all of the websites were very out of date they seemed like they'd been made maybe 10 years ago and and none of them allowed you to, to book a service online so for me, that was the niche. It was right, you know, people have to, you have to call up a company. Uh, they kind of take some information, then they call an operator, and then they get you call you back, and then they have to come out to your house and give you a quote. And it was all really laborious and kind of kind of old school. So, so that was the point where I was like, right, you know, if I make a nice looking website, make a nice online booking platform, there's an opportunity to kind of get my foot in the door and, and go from there. Hmm. Um. And so would you say that your main driver is business ownership and the independence and potential of balance that comes from that um, or is it essential services as an industry that attracts you was was the cleaning business this opportunity that you've taken advantage of wonderfully um, or is it this vehicle to experimenting with business ownership yeah it's a good question um, I think it's definitely the the, the business ownership for, for me um, I, I definitely wasn't coming into to, to the role thinking right I want to get into a service business or I want to get into you know providing you know, cleaning services for people it mm. was more that you know I was I, I was very aware from a very kind of young age that um, the, the flexibility that comes with running a business the the ability to make your own decisions and I suppose direct things in the way that you'd like to to go um, was something that I wanted to follow and I think that um, to be honest, I'm sure that a lot of people will agree that managing a business, uh, there's a huge number of similarities across any kind of business. Um, mm. you, know, you, you could be managing a cleaning company, you could be managing a tech company. Uh, a lot of the skills, a lot of the things you need to do day to day are extremely transferable and very similar. So I think that really managing a business and, and growing a company, um, it, it doesn't, you know, th- there is, of course, things that are specific to your industry and specific to your company, but there's a lot of similarities and, and I think that um, you have to do a lot of the same kind of work and have the same kind of results um, to be mm. successful in, 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 yeah, in, in whichever kind of business. Um, so when you first kicked off with Made to Clean, what did your intuition or your gut suggest about how you needed to connect with customers? Because you clearly identified that the customer probably wanted uh, more ability to communicate uh, via the website, by booking via the website. But um, did you go on gut with your communications or did you look to consultants? How did you work that out? Mm. That's an interesting question. Um, I think that a few of the things I, I recognised were from doing a bit of market research. And, and for, for that, it was um, I recognised that I think there was a lot of frustration in the service business industry about getting poor quality contractors or poor quality service so for me a big part of it was yes the online booking and and making that easier and more convenient but it was also about providing a premium level of service so Mm -hmm. it was about finding 
you know, maybe a smaller section of people who wanted to pay a bit more, but they wanted to, to get a, you know, a premium level of service. That was probably one thing. Um, and the second thing I think I really wanted to focus on, which might have just been a personal thing, it might have just been, again, from researching other businesses, but it was about providing just that real grade A, top quality customer service. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people talk about that and it's easy to to say, yep, you know, customer service is, is our um, absolute you know, number one goal. But for us, I think to really embrace it and, and for it to really work, we kind of, I tried to implement the philosophy that we wanted every single person who did business with Made to Clean to walk away feeling happy or feeling good about the interaction that they had. Mm-hmm. And that was literally the number one priority. So it doesn't matter if we lose money, it doesn't mean, you know, whatever it costs, if a customer is, you know, what doesn't want to pay or they want, you know, they want some kind of solution that we'll, we'll, we'll provide it. And I think that was something that really has paid dividends. And I think that, you know, we've got a very good reputation online and that's because we never want someone to walk away thinking that we've you know, done wrong by them or anything mm. like that. And I think a lot of companies, maybe they start that philosophy or I'm not sure, but from looking around and doing a lot of research, I think, so a lot of other companies maybe get that wrong or maybe they forget it along the way when they get a little bit larger yeah. um, but really having that as a focus um, has really really helped us yeah I, I'm really glad that you've um, drawn so instantly to the focus on excellence um, I have been mentoring different kinds of businesses for a long time now individually with business owners and sometimes when I sit down with somebody for the first time, they'll almost ask for formula and they'll be like, how did you work out what business to do and what are the like the eight or nine steps you do to make sure that your business works? Um, And I'll kind of respond really frankly and I'm always focused on what is it that you will want to do with excellence repeatedly Um, because if that excellence isn't there, I'm just not sure that you can actually – I don't know, I'm just not sure that it can have longevity, particularly in service-based industries um, where referral is so important. I mean, if you're a volume trader, if you're in fast-moving consumer goods, you're Kmart, I guess there's different expectations. But yeah. in your case, you're being you're in people's homes and that's a real privilege. Um, and I imagine it's a space where customers can feel high levels of anxiety. So I'd really love to know what kind of steps have you got in place to assure customers of their safety so they feel, you know, like this is going to be okay, like they're going to be respected, like it's going to be, it's going to be okay? What steps have mm. you got? For sure, for sure. That, that's a good point. And I think that one of the most important things when, uh, you know, providing a service, as you say, where people go into people's homes and, and people are whipping out their credit card online, first of all, to, and giving their payment details to, to, in order to invite someone to their house is it's all about building trust. Um, and that is, you know, something that if you can't do, then people are never going to book in the first place. Um, so I suppose that there's a number of things and, and, and it all comes back to that, um, that buzzword of communication, I suppose. Um, whether it's on the website, we've got a number of um, reassurances to customers showing um, the kinds of steps that we take um, before hiring or before sending out cleaning teams. And, and that really comes down to, to, to the vetting of the teams, um, whether it's, you know, the, the, the recruitment process we have is, is pretty, far, pretty thorough, um, you know, from phone interviewing to inductions to interviews to background checking and things like police checks and making sure they have insurance is, is a big thing. Um, and then I think from that, that process onwards, it's, it's really keeping in constant contact with the customers. Mm. Um, when, they, when they make bookings, there's a lot of information that's sent to them um, through our email confirmation systems. Whenever they have questions or concerns, 
they can send us a text or give us a call within business hours and they're always going to get someone on the phone you know within a few seconds or a few within a minute or so to be able to answer their, those questions so i think it's it's about providing information to the customers and, and that information being what they want to hear um, and also being present so that if they have any concerns they can get in touch with us um, very quickly mm. um so COVID 19 uh, has presented challenges to all businesses um, and is particularly difficult for face-to-face businesses, uh, which, which yours is. How have you pivoted in light of the pandemic and how has it affected your business? <laughs> COVID-19, the, 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 the hottest topic of, t- of 2020, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, look, it, it absolutely affected us in a, in a huge way. We, 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 we came into around middle of March with probably the, the, the most successful week on record. But, and then that was followed by about a 50% drop in, in our job numbers within about 10 days. So oh. everything really fell off a cliff um, for, for a little while. But, but the, the thing for us was there was a few factors that allowed us to um, keep going and, and, and it's really going to help us um, come out of this. And, and the first thing was we were deemed, you know, an essential service and were able to continue. Mm-hmm. We just needed to make sure that we were taking um, very, very strict precautions. So we, we put it, we immediately put in place a number of procedures um, in terms of keep, making sure that the staff that we were, we had that were working, hadn't been traveling, that they were completely you know, fit and healthy. They were wearing PPE, all these sorts of things. So we, we first of all took precautions to make sure that our staff were safe to be operating. Um, and those, 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 policies seem to be updating and changing every day because of, of how things were developing and so quickly. Um, but the, the number one thing that we've been doing, and I think it's been really, really successful, is we've been communicating through a number of different platforms, whether it's on notice board to our cleaners, whether it's through emails to our customers or daily updates on our website. Uh, we've been just constantly letting people know what we're doing, the changes that's happening, how it's affecting us, how it's affecting um, this, the, the country and, and, and you know, the, the population of, of Melbourne or Australia. And I think that constant touching base and updating people of what's going on has been really, really well received. Um, we've let people know that if they wanted to put their cleans on hold, it's completely fine. And we've, pro- you know, we've provided support bases for when they can um, get in touch with us or we can get in touch with them down the line when they want to resume. Um, and yeah, we've, we've really, I think, been relatively successful in keeping that connection with our, with our customers so that now as things start are starting to get a little bit, well, a little bit more optimistic and, and, and hopefully um, things continue to improve in the way that they are, um, we're very confident that, that we're going to bounce back and we're going to see lots of our um, customers that we've missed so much over the last couple of weeks. Mm. So it was really upping communication and kind of thinking strategically about safety for everyone. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah. Um. As an entrepreneur, businesses usually make a decision early on, which is about is success for us about volume at a, a particular price point that's affordable to most, or are we uh, you know, going to be more specialty and niche at a premium cost? Um, what does success look like for made to clean? Is it going to be just volume or is it going to be specialty at premium? What, how have you worked around that? Good question. Um, one that I'm very happy to answer. I've, I've <laughs> always been, I've always been very much on the side of providing a higher level of value at a higher cost uh, and uh, over, um, you know, I suppose going for volume. 
I think, and I've, I've written about this a few times, because I think that there's always going to be the larger company. There's always going to be that say, you know, if you go into like fast food, let's say, there's always going to be McDonald's who can make a burger for cheaper and they can uh, market it in a different way. But it's, you're always as a small business or as an entrepreneur, I think going to have an advantage wherever you make a product which has more value, which you can provide something more speciality and you make more money on or you make, you know, it's, it's more valuable for, for the customer and for you as a business. So very, very early on, we decided um, to go for that more premium service um, to, to target a smaller number of customers um, for, for those who wanted to pay a little bit more, but to actually get more from what they're paying as well. I think it's a lot easier to, to manage because, you know, you only have to manage 100 customers, but you make $10 per customer rather than managing 1,000 customers and making a dollar per customer. You know, mm. naturally, you know, you don't have, as a small business, you don't have systems yet to manage a huge number of customers and, and, and don't have that kind of infrastructure. So I think that it's definitely um, a more, an easier way to start at least. And maybe if, if people wanted to go for that higher volume, it would be kind of easier down the line. But for us, um, definitely um, the kind of the more value and, and the, the smaller number of customers. Mm. Um, that tends to be the, the way that, uh, well, that's certainly the way that we approach our business because um, I guess cleaning can mean in terms of service delivery, it could mean anything. It could mean anything mm. from a quick vacuum and wiping down of the kitchen sink to uh, a much more um, comprehensive offering, which is um, what I've experienced from your business. Um, note of disclosure, I do actually use Made to Clean and I had never used a cleaner before, um, but I do like to work with businesses who work with my business because I always think it's a virtuous circle, but I also don't like cleaning. So, <laughs> so I decided to use Made to Clean and um, I think that there's actually a lot of stigma around people. I think there's stigma for women in hiring in hiring cleaners um, in a bit of a way because you're meant to maybe not like it, but you're kind of meant to do it. Anyway, I would say that if, uh, if you're a, um, a, a business owner like me, it is definitely worth hiring a cleaner and prospecting for that hour and a half and potentially winning business rather than cleaning yourself. That's, that's the way I look at it, Ed. I'm like, okay, I've got a cleaner, so I'm going I'm to prospect. I'm going to work on the business for an hour and a half. I feel like that's a good trade-off. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I've always, I've always said to look, I'm, I'm the king of outsourcing. Like I, <laughs> I, I'll outsource, I'll outsource, you know, making my dinners if I could. Um, <laughs> but I always say to people, you know, who do, who do own businesses or, or even just people who work um, as professionals, um, you know, how, how, do, how much do you value your time? Because if you can hire a cleaner for forty, fifty dollars an hour, but you, know, you value your time at, at more than that, then why would you ever do the cleaning yourself? You know, if you, mm. if you can, do, if you can produce work that is worth $60, $70 an hour to yourself, then why not do that for an hour and have someone else clean for, for the $50 and then you're, you know, making money off that. Um, yeah. So I, I've always been a believer <laughs> to, to outsource anything you don't like doing. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so I really like, like you to cast your mind forward with a crystal, a very sparkly crystal ball. Can you mm. tell us what you think? how you think Australia's like essential services industry, like your own like cleaning services, how do you think it will look or change in a decade? Oof. Oof. In a decade. So, so yeah. what's the service business, what's the service industry going to look like in 10 years time? Yeah. What would the demands of the customer be like? Would the customer have changed in their demands and what kind of technology would we, what, what kind of things do you think that we'd be looking for in terms of our interface with services and technology? Mm. I mean, it's mm. changed so quickly, even the way that we use 
you know, food delivery apps or everything's changed. Absolutely. So a very difficult question. <laughs> I know, I know, but that's why I'm asking it because, um, you, you, you know, you're, you've already um, tipped a trend in terms of the booking, pro- booking program, but where, where, do you, where do you think your competitors or where do you think people will be at with services and expectations? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the easy part of that question, first of all, would be what's actually going to be happening with the services themselves. And, and to be perfectly frank, I think the you know, things like cleaning and things like essential trades and services, the actual work itself probably isn't going to change a huge amount in 10 years. You know, I think that certain jobs like cleaning are always going to need to be, be done in a certain way and be done by human beings. Um, touch wood, maybe in 50 or 100 years, we might have robots to do that, but, but mm. who knows? Um, I think I think as you were kind of um, touching on just then, it will the changes will um, most um, they, they, they'll, they'll have the most impact on the way we manage, the way we book, and the way we, um, I suppose, you know, communicate through um, or, or to the services. And I think that um, it's all going to be, I think, just more. Um, I don't want to say automated, but I think it's just going to be a lot more. Um, there's going to be a lot less calling up of of say calling the office and then making requirements. I think it's going to be a lot more, you know, people have, um, you have your kind of high tech app that you can simply, um, you can order from, which we already do have, I suppose, but I think it's just going to be a development and a um, kind of building on those kind of pieces of technology so that people can access, they can, they can view their booking, they can see it happening on their app, they can, um, mm. they can manage and track it in certain ways. So I think it's really going to be a building on, on those kind of systems that we already have and, and those processes becoming more and more seamless. Uh, I don't. I, I can't imagine there'd be a drastic change um, or development in that. Um, but that yeah. might just be me looking into a foggy <laughs> crystal ball. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so, how did you imagine that being in business would look? And are there any stereotypes that you thought might apply that you realised are completely untrue? Hmm. I have to say that I think okay. So the, 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 I think being in business now and where I'm, where I'm at the moment is actually quite similar to, to where I was aiming to get to, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but, but, so that, that, that's good. And I, I think it's, um, I'm, I'm definitely grateful of that. However, I think one of the biggest challenges or things that I did not expect was the transition that I think a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs w- w- would go through from creating a business and managing that business to then hiring a series of staff to manage that business for you. You go mm. from one year you're managing a business, the next year you're managing an office full of people. And the difference between the skills that you have to have and the tasks that you're doing day to day just couldn't be more different. And I think that some people said to me, you know, one of the hardest things is, is, is managing employees. And, and I always thought because I'd started a cleaning company and I'd managed you know, cleaners and, and things that it would be relatively straightforward. Um, but the, the, the transition from going to manage a business to managing an office was so, so much more challenging and so much more different um, than I'd ever imagined. Um, and it took me a long time to, to start learning the skills and, and to really truly understanding how effective and, and how powerful HR is. Um, before things really started to, to kind of, um, you know, I suppose, uh, really grow and, and, and kind of uh, move forward in the way it has done in the last couple of years. 
Um, so that's probably the biggest kind of thing that I didn't expect or the biggest kind of thing that was, uh, was kind of, yeah, unpredictable, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, I would say that having, having used contractors and then having become a number of years ago, becoming a company and having employees, um, yeah, it changes it does, yeah, it changes the way that you think about the business. And it also, I don't know, the way that I think about my business and my colleagues is it feels familial and I really, it kind of feels like you want to make sure that everyone's, of course you want to make sure everyone's okay, um, but uh, using, I imagine that the difference between recruiting cleaning contractors and having a regular group of colleagues in office with you is, you know, that relationship is so much more intimate and you know so much more about their lives and there's a, a natural higher level of personal accountability. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's totally, it's completely different. And I think it's more interesting though. It teaches you new things all the time being in business, I reckon. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right uh, in regards to it being more, more I suppose very different um, when working with, say, contractors or, or working with, with um, staff in the office. Uh, I, I think there's a number of reasons um, for that. Obviously, I think, not being present with them and I suppose doing the same same role um, is a big one. But I, I agree as well about it kind of feeling a bit f- familial um, or, mm. or kind of, you know, it's, I think your responsibility as an owner of a business or, or the manager of an office is to, to make sure your staff are happy, to make sure that they're, they're doing their role, their jobs the right way and for them to do their jobs the right way, they have to be motivated. They have to be enjoying what they're doing. So I think there is that responsibility. And, and I always feel, you know, the times when I feel the most down is when I know my staff are struggling or I know that they're not in a good place because you know there is that very kind of present responsibility that you have to make sure that they are um, you know I suppose fulfilled and if they're not fulfilled then they're also not going to be doing the right thing for your business so it's mm. really kind of um, t- two things that are connected yeah um, what is the biggest mistake you've made in your business so far and what did you learn from that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look, I'm just going to go back to that thing I was talking about with, with employees and HR. <laughs> yes. um, when I first started um, hiring employees, um, I thought, hey, you know what? This isn't too bad. Like, I'm pretty good at this. And I, and I felt that I was relatively good at managing people, right? Um, then as we started to grow as a business and we had more and more employees, I realized that the, the, your job as a boss or as a manager isn't just to manage the relationship between yourself and your staff members but you've also got to be aware of the relationships between staff members mm, and, true. <laughs> and I've got to say it's a lot harder to be aware or be on top of relationships between other people than it is between mm. someone um, yeah. and I never really knew what HR was <laughs> I never really understood it until um, we started having these things emerge where there were kind of disagreements or clashes with certain people in the business um, and I didn't take action as quickly as I should have done. Hmm. I, I kind of, I kept trying to go along that route of, you know, I'd manage the employees myself and I'd be like, right, you know, this, this person's feeling better now and we all, my relationship with them is really good. And I just wasn't really addressing the fact that the relationships between certain members of staff weren't great. And I wasn't able to, to influence those as much as I wanted to or as much as I probably thought I was. Um, so I think the biggest mistake I, I made was letting those issues probably kind of fester or grow more than I more than they should have done and not kind of taken more appropriate action sooner mm. um, a few years ago we we had some consultants come in and we did a lot of HR work and we really managed to to tackle those problems incredibly quickly actually um, 
and within you know after doing a couple of a bit of work for a couple of weeks um we went you know we looked back six months later and it was incredible the change of of culture and attitude and, and the way that people acted and, and um you know communicated with each other so that was that was a huge learning curve and i think that the mistake i made was just not being aware of those challenges early on and, and not implementing you know proper hr to, to to solve those problems it's so difficult um trying to see through other people's eyes and that's different to empathy I think um, it's mm. so because you, you, your set of values, like you may ostensibly be like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a good guy and these are the values I have and I'm trying to run a business of excellence and service here and I listen to my team, but it's those interpersonal dynamics that are, yeah, they're really hard to register, but also how good and efficient is it when you hire, <laughs> when you hire people who know exactly what they're doing and tends to solve the problem oh, much faster and it, it's re- incredible. it reduces your, uh, uh, in a, in a, um, in a, harder business sense it reduce it it, it mitigates terrible liability i think yeah yeah, yeah that's that's true that's true <laughs> um but and- I, I i do think I've, I've never i never had as much respect as i did for, for hr until we we had um a lady called heather come in and do some hr with us and it was the impact that she had and the results that it had and, and on the staff and on everyone's outlook was incredible um so yeah, never appreciated or respected as much as I did until, until we had to use them. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, and in closing, one final question. What's the next audacious step that you'd like to make in connection with the people who use Made to Clean? The next step in connection. Right. Um, so the next step that we're really trying to take, and that's something that we're, I think we're already trying to, to do at the moment is, we're trying to embrace the philosophy of changing our customers from being just customers into being fans of the business. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I've, you know, I've read a lot about. I see, I see, you, you know, you see in popular companies, um, you know, big names are easy examples like Apple, you know, people, people love their, you know, Apple products and they're, they're massive fans of the business. Um, what we're trying to do, and, and this is, very you know it's a long road but we're trying to nurture our audience and nurture our customers so that they have more of a connection with the business and they see us more as um not just a a cleaning company that they use for for their services but something that they have a real connection to and and um you know and we really kind of build a relationship with them through things like social media um and and those different Mm -hmm. kind of portals to to connect to them so i think that's something that we're we're definitely trying to do it's it's i i think you can describe it as audacious in some ways because you know who, who's going to be raving about their cleaning company um it's it's not something you go to parties saying oh hey guys like you know check out my my, <laughs> my cleaners um but i think it's something that we can definitely we can definitely work towards and i think it'd be really really powerful um for the business and, and also um you know just creates more positive um feeling between us and, and our customers you know i think that um it's it's really interesting um that you've noted that people aren't going to a barbecue and raving about uh, their cleaner, for example. But when you look at the behaviour of people in Facebook groups, um, particularly perhaps highly female-populated Facebook groups, even in hard business categories or similar, if somebody pipes up and says, who's your cleaner Mm. or who's your masseuse or who was your doula, the amount of recommendations, if people, if if, uh, this is, I guess it's a gendered um, comment, but if if women really like a product, they will, they will definitely refer to that, even if it's daggy. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Or even if, like, because once you feel like it's a part of your life, by, by the fact that you're exchanging money for it, you're approving of it and thus you mm-hmm. want to share kind of that with other people. Um, so I think that the fact that you understand that people are going, are, do have the potential of being fans is very true. And sometimes businesses in the service categories, I mean, you're cleaners, but we represent people who are accountants or lawyers. Sometimes they have this blockage where they're like, oh, everyone hates lawyers. Everyone mm. hates accountants. Nobody wants to talk about them. That's not true because whatever we're paying for as humans, when you pay for it, you're kind of buying into that story and you want to share it with your people. Agreed. And, and also I'd, I'd say um, on the contrary, e- even if people were saying, oh, you know, all accountants are rubbish or you know, no one likes state agents or you know, things like that, that's an opportunity because mm. if you are then the one accountant, let's say, even, let's say that was true, even though I don't think it is, but let's say that, you know, you're the one accountant who actually, you know, you make a fantastic impression on someone or you're the one estate agent that you, you know, someone says, oh, you're actually, you know, you, you buck the trend, then everyone's going to rave about you because they're going to, you know, you're going to stand, it's a lot easier to stand out against people who aren't particularly popular than it is against a load of popular people. So if anything, it's, it's an opportunity. Very true. Yeah, it absolutely is. Hey, Ed, that was a really great interview. Um, I'm going to put uh, links to Made to Clean in the show notes for this podcast. Um, and uh, I guess stay clean and keep functioning through COVID-19, Ed. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, stay safe. Thank you. <laughs>